We're live. Welcome to episode 12, and we go talk money. So um, I know this is a very popular topic. And um, so today, um, Christine Tag um, cannot join us due to an emergency, but she'll be in part two of our chat. So, um, and Jeremy has an announcement as well, um, since we now have a YouTube channel, and we're currently yep. going live on YouTube. So go ahead. I just want to. I just want to thank uh, all the friends who've given me support uh, on the YouTube uh, channel and uh, subscribe. I'll be right back. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I, I can hear Jeremy. <laughs> Is alright. Audrey, go can ahead. hear. Okay. So yeah, I just okay. want to thank. Yeah, just want to thank all those who have uh, given support to the group uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thank you very much. And for those who are joining us now live, uh, thanks for the support as well. And uh, yeah, let's talk money. Uh, we're gonna wait for uh, Timothy to be back. Yep. While we're waiting for Timothy, I want to shout out to my man, Liko. So Liko is an awesome marketer that's out there doing it in the U.S. So I uh, want to say hi, Liko. Thanks for joining us. So looks like Tim is back. Yep. Right. So I think when we think talk about the topic money, right, let's start with talking about your relationship with money. So um, let's start with you, Eldrick, since we're on the money talk. <laughs> I think I think uh, I should go with the last one because um, one thing, one thing, right? Just a little shameless plug here. I think I think we are responsible now in terms of our communication cross Atlantic. Um, the kind of uh, information that we are also giving because people are now watching to us talking real stuff, real people talking real stuff. So. Um, when it comes to money, for me, uh, it's it's a long relationship since young. It's an unabated one. It is with me for very, very long. And I spent a very long time just trying to figure out what the hell that is, right? So uh, I would pass the torch to the both of them first, Timothy and Jeremy, you go first. Oh, and then I'll go first. Yeah, probably uh, due to our cross-Atlantic audience, I'm going to insert a little piece about how our human society evolved with money and probably that will give us a very good view on why we are where we are today so i'm gonna pause first i think jeremy and timothy can go first please okay go ahead yeah. guys I, yeah maybe i i just go first i think uh let's answer what's what's money right uh based on the little i know i believe um before money there was butter trade right something for something Right, and then, and then uh, I don't know, was the first form of money seashells or something? And then it was used more like a unit of measure, unit of value. Uh, there were because, seashells, uh, yep. teeth, bird's feather, fish, and cows, Whatever, right? yeah, all sorts, all sorts of yeah. uh, things used as a unit of measure because you can't equate like, a, I don't know, a piece of beef versus a, a pot, uh, you know, made of clay. So, you know, so, so I guess money is more of a unit of measure in that aspect. And I guess um, over, over time and as civilization progressed, and then there came things like gold, silver, precious stones. Um, and now we have it on paper, fiat money, basically money that's not backed up by anything, but, you know, the government proclaims it as legal tender. Therefore, it is money and it carries value. And I think uh, where we are right now in the past few years, there's this thing called cryptocurrency, 
which is basically digital money, ones and zeros in outer space, rather internet and all that. So what is money is a good question because uh, how it has evolved uh, is certainly interesting and probably worth the entire hour speaking about. But no, I'm not, we're not going to do that. So I, I just wanted to, you know, hopefully align a little bit what money is um, before we talk about, you know, relationship with money. Uh, I don't know, Tim, Kevin, you, you guys got anything to add on that? Well, I'll just say this. My relationship with money has evolved over the years. Uh, <laughs> I think it's, it's fair to say that, right? Um, so, you know, my relationship with money now is okay. Uh, back in the day, not so much. Uh, I've been broke at times in my life, and that's okay. Yeah, right? But in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, the relationship really is just about what you do and, and what your mindset is towards money. Me personally, who's uh, who's got the cops over there? <laughs> Not me. We're talking about money. They're they're on their way. <laughs> yeah, I am not I'm not laundering money. I'm not. That will make that show so much better. <laughs> the FBI but, uh, breaks in. <laughs> yeah, <probably>. <laughs> Tim's house. <laughs> it wasn't me, guys. It wasn't me. But anyway, so uh, so yeah. I mean, right now, I believe. Your relationship with money depends on your mindset. You know, some people have a terrible relationship with money because they don't know how to spend it or save it. Uh, and some people have a great relationship with money and they don't even make that much money. So I think it really just depends on your mindset. That's my opinion of yep. the relationship with money. Yeah. So for me, I think relationship with money is a means to survive, right? Um, you can't survive in today's society with no money. You know, yeah, money is a means to be able to pay your bills, um, to be able to feed yourself, your kids, um, you know, to leave behind your legacy. Um, money opens up doors um, to opportunities, and it's our responsibility on how to manage our money. And um, so that's the way I see it, as a means to survive. Yep. I, for, for me, um money is a lot of things right uh and you know based on uh what people have been posting in our group and all that um there's a few different sayings right uh, money is means to an end money is the root of all evils uh money gives you options to do different things and lack of it meaning you have lack of options um time is money as well so so it's really a lot of things so i i think for me uh relationship with money uh when i was young and you know younger and um not working yet, you know, struggling with money. Um, but I, I, I think I've understood um, the value of saving from a young age. Um, so uh, relationship with money now is quite okay. Uh, I, can't, I can't say that I am always very money-minded, but, um, but I, do, I do understand that, you know, it's not what you make, but how you spend it. So that's kind of something that stick with me. And in terms of, you know, uh, uh, principles, uh, there's just... A couple of principles that I sort of try to abide to in terms of money. Uh, three of them. Uh, number one, uh, do not spend beyond your means. That's number one. Uh, number two uh, will be um, um, uh, do do not borrow money, which is kind of in line with the first one. But you know, try not to borrow money. That's number two. And number I'm three. Sure Tim has something to say for that one. But right. <laughs> no problem. Well, I can you, open you know, this up. And, yeah, okay, yeah, hold on. Hold on. Let, let me let me do my third one first. So number three is if you really have to borrow, 
you know, try to pay back as fast as possible and as soon as possible. Because, you know, it, I don't quite like it when people borrow money from me, you know, it just gets stuck in my head that, oh, this guy owes me money. So in the same, uh, in the same perspective, uh, if I really do borrow, I really want to pay back as soon as I can before I forget, you know, and, you know, when it comes to money, relationships sour and all that kind of thing happens. So very sensitive topic. So I'm going to stop there. You guys want to jump in? No, I think this is great. Um, what you just pointed out, Jeremy, I think is a yeah. huge um, thing with the West versus the East, right? Um, and the mentality uh, of our relationship with money. Because I remember growing up as a kid in a Chinese family. Uh, my dad, he's very big on like paying everything off, right? As quickly as possible. You know, so growing up, I had that mentality Oh, if you borrow someone's money, don't don't own any man, anything, right? And then as I started um, getting into my entrepreneurship and doing businesses and start seeing, and I was like, man, there's a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that can make their money go a lot further, you know? And then I start noticing they leverage loans. They leverage um, different things, you know? But they aren't worrying about paying it back, even though they have the money to pay back. And I started understanding, ooh, what my Chinese parents didn't teach me is cash flow. You know? You. Oh, Kevin, you can have the money, but why spend your money? Go spend someone else's money, you know? Yeah. And you can go so much farther and you start investing in other things that can make you more money. And it, it really changed my relationship with money. And when I started understanding that concept and I was like, Man, in the West, why do my friends, you know, some of these Americans have these huge homes, you know, amazing cars. And then I see they're like these entrepreneurs, they're young, but they're like owning more and more stuff, you know. So then I started learning, oh, they don't spend their own money. You know, they're buying houses together with other people. They're leveraging other people's money to build wealth. And um, it changed my mindset. And then it, in return, it actually helped me. Um, start saving. Oh, oh no, he's breaking up. Instead of like, okay, that's just something. I, that's something I wanted to to point out because uh, I think in the West it's very popular to um, live on credit, where where there's negativity to that too. But that's definitely the Asian mindset versus the um, living in. So. Yep, I've been, I've been patiently waiting. I need to hear Aldrich. I want to hear what Aldrich has. <laughs> Go ahead, Aldrich. Uh, okay, so let me just address some of the points here. Um, I'm the when when I grew up, my aunt. I mean, if some of you follow my contents, uh, these days I do once or twice a week. I talk about the relationship I had with my mom and my aunt. My aunt is hundred percent commerce oriented. Those days we call it commerce, but these days we say business oriented. So she's very business, right? My mom would say exactly the same things as uh, what uh, Kevin's parents or Jeremy's parents have said. It's, it's nothing new. We have to save as a rainy day, just in case. You know, I don't like to lend money because uh, friendship goes away and things like that. My mom says exactly the same thing. My aunt doesn't. My aunt looks at it from a commerce standpoint and said, 
a debt was 1990s, when the debt market collapsed. I didn't know, but she taught me that. When the debt market collapsed, she said, why aren't you borrowing money? It must be super stupid not to. Equities market returns today, 5%. Your cost of borrowing from the bank, 3%. Do the math. Is there some free money? Do the math. 5% is your returns, 3% is your cost. So what's that 2%? Isn't that your middleman money? Do the math. What has that got to do with society, people, or your relationship? Nothing. Don't be stupid, right? So, so that's what she told me. So don't be stupid, right? And then she'll go on to say things like, if the interest rates at that time, and it's still applicable today, if interest rates are at 5,000 year low, why aren't you borrowing? Why are you in a rush to return, right? So uh, we, we have some entrepreneurs here. I'm sure Kevin can relate. I'm sure Timothy can relate, right? If our businesses returns us a return on, on business equity of 12%, you are financing it 50% of your assets with a 2% loan from the commercial bank, why are you in a rush to, to return it? I don't get it. So I'm not talking about relationships here. I'm talking about pure arithmetic. Pure arithmetic. Because the faster you rush to clear off your loans, the less free cash flow you get to deploy, to grow your company. It's, it's, to me, that's the way I see that, right? And I think I'm just going to pause here for this because for part two, we're going to talk about cash flow and this entire thing is about a cash flow mindset, right? But I want to get back to the very original intention of, and of course, the bulk of the questions that's coming from um, our external audience. What is money? We know the attributes in my post yesterday. We know. And it's clear, right? But the attributes itself is confusing all of us in terms of what money really is. So the attributes are the standard, the standard suspects. It's a unit of account, which means that a dollar is a dollar. I can, I can break it down to cents. I can break it down to pounds. I can break it down to uh, pennies or dimes, right? So there's a unit of account. It's a store of value. Contentious, right? It's a store of value. But yet we are losing it every year. It's contentious, <laughs> right? And uh, it's a medium of exchange. So with that, if I have confidence in a sheet of uh, paper here, and you do, Timothy, if you do, I can use this sheet of paper. I buy something <laughs> from you, you take it, I'll take something from you. So it's back by confidence. So fiat-based currencies, they are all based by confidence of all of us. And why I say it's confidence and not backed by nothing. Just want to be clear. Because we are the ones giving meaning to the sheet of paper. If one day you were to wake up and say, God damn it, I don't believe this anymore. So what's going to happen? It doesn't no. matter anymore. No matter how high your power of paper is, it doesn't. Right? Weimar Germany, 1922. What happened? Is it really a hyperinflation thing? No, it's a confidence thing. Because suddenly, a loaf of bread is more valuable than all the sheets of paper you've been stockpiling at home, right? So we have all these, right? Now, you have a unit of account, you have a medium of exchange, and you have a store of value. Now, because all these points are contentious, we have a spectrum of candidates. 
we evolved from gold and silver is money, which is written into the American Constitution, 1776. Only gold and silver is real money. The rest is credit. Okay, that's written into your constitution. And why that is important? Because the entire world today is looking to US as the world reserve currency. Whatever Federal Reserve is doing with money, T-bills, USD, the rest of the world is in shit. That's, that's, that's the entire reason, right? And that gold and silver is money, paper currency is money, and now we have cryptocurrencies that are money, right? Because it fits into all of these criteria. Although I would say that uh, cryptocurrencies are still very young, they don't really perform a medium of exchange very well. Truth be told, if you want to buy something from me and you want to pay me in Bitcoins, I'm not going to accept it. Because even if you pay me... <laughs> uh, it's true. Because if the value of Bitcoin today is like 7,000 to... Uh, 7,000 USD to one Bitcoin, and the next day it's going to be 4,000, there's no way I'm going to accept it from you, right? There's no way. Just no way. So we have gold and silver, we have paper, and we have cryptocurrencies. Now, why are we in such a confused state today? We have to do a little tracing. Um, it, it is really something that I do in my free time when I think about it. I mean, like, I think about earning the money, I think about buying and selling, but at the same time, I embark on my own personal journey in terms of what money really is, right? Today, we are on a dollar standard that is from 1971, but that's not the very first one that human society has. The very first established one started 1873. That was the classical gold standard. Interestingly enough, it was put on the map by the Germans. Ah. In the 1870s, that was the age of industrialization-led imperialism, right? So you have the Germans going out, uh, exploring the rest of the world, doing some shopping, doing some taking without asking. You know, the Brits are doing it, you know, the empire of the, the non-setting sun, and then the French are doing it, right? They bring all these good stuff back into the European continent. And guess what? When they sell it, which currency are they going to accept? The French don't believe the Germans. The Germans don't believe the Brits. The Brits don't believe the French. So what they did, as a young upstart, the Germans, they started thinking, all right, fine, you don't trust my paper, I'll back it. I'll back it. So for the very first time in history, 1873, the Germans claim that their marks are 100% backed by gold Fine. reserves. 100%. So now we have evolution and a birth of a standard, right? You have gold and you have the marks. So the marks are just clean checks. It facilitates trade because you don't need to carry your gold and your silver around with you. It's heavy, you get robbed. You carry paper and it works whichever banks will go within the European continent, right? So England saw that and said, well, that's a very good idea. I don't trust the marks, but I trust the gold. I know what the hell that is. Right, fine, we'll back it to 100%. The French did it. The young upstart, United States, did that too. Surprise, huh? <laughs> Americans started your dollar standard 100% gold backing. 100%. 1870s, right? Fast forward, when did that standard fall apart? Huh? 1914, World War I. Why? There is no way any of these imperialist countries are going to let gold disappear from their votes because now they are fighting a war. They need to finance it, right? So they recognize that there's the claim checks, which is the currency, and there's the gold that's in the banks. So what they do, they stop the exchange. 
they tell the citizens, stop it, you can't exchange it for gold anymore, it will be safe in our banks, right? First step. Second step, they started lighting up the printing presses. If you think about your stimulus programs in the US today, it's not innovative, huh? it has started before. So they started printing to finance the war. To finance the war, that's the only reason. That's the only reason. Now, towards the end of World War I, what happened? Because everyone is so fixated in fighting the war, in Europe, all factories, Britain, France, Belgium, they aren't producing consumer products. They have to churn out armor, artillery, bullets, you know, uh, helmets and things like that, right? So where do they get their day-to-day -day stuff from? Enter the young upstart United States of America, right? <laughs> he made a deal, 1917, 1916, if I'm not wrong. Made a deal, he said, hey guys, all you, all you, uh, established brands out there, go fight the war. I'll finance it. You know, don't worry. I'll finance it. The birth of massive sovereign debt markets. Go fight the war. It's fine. I'll finance it. You know, don't worry. 1917, US joined the war. It's not because they wanted to win against Germany. Why? They are worried that their debtors are going to default if they lose. What's going to happen to all my money? It's Gone. not a heroic act. Come on. People who are studying history, forget about the textbooks. Forget it. It's about, you don't want people borrowing your money to fall on you, right? It's huge sums. Hey, hey, you know, we can't afford to have the Yankee, the Brits and the French to default on us. No, 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 no. Let's join and let's kick Germany's ass. That's what happened. <laughs> That's what happened. They won the war, right? When they won the war, they realized one thing that the entire European continent is now on the stranglehold of the US. That the classical gold standard no longer works. So what did they do? To instill confidence back into their populations, they went away from 100% gold backing to 40%. Just that little bit of stability. And the 1920s was the era with huge volatility. There was the deflation in 1921, and there was a stock market crash, 1928, that led to the Great Depression, right? So fast forward, 1933, what happened in Germany? You know, Germans are saying the worst, the most stupid thing that you have ever done is you defeated us and you didn't kill us because we are tribesmen. We are knights. We are warriors. If you don't kill me and I recover, I'm going to finish all of you. There is, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. So 1933, there's this guy called Adolf Hitler decided to take a little walk in the Rhineland, claim back their positions. Took another walk to Austria, claimed Vienna, to another walk to Sudeten. 1936, Treaty of Munich. What happened to that? After that, Naval Chamberlain had to resign, right? Then, the same thing happened. The gold standard 40% backing, it was paused. They had to light up the printing presses again because suddenly they need all this cash to finance the production for war. Again, again, it's the same thing. And U.S. made a lot of money this time. And that's simply because U.S. wasn't in the war since 1933. So you guys are really very lucky, you know. So you guys only entered in 1942. But during this period, nine years, Britain, France, Belgium, Netherlands, they were buying products from the U.S. using real gold reserves. Real. So America got very rich. Very, very rich. It was the first consumer-driven prosperity. Today, Federal Reserve says the same thing, right? 
It's all about the American consumers. Are they spending? Are they spending? Are they spending? It's a historical fable. Nothing has changed, right? So now, post-World War II, 40% backing of gold went away. It went away. Why? U.S. became the largest gold deposit for the entire world. 60% of gold deposits were was with U.S., right? Now, no other countries now can say that their currencies are back with gold. Those that's involved in World War II. So what happened? The Bretton Woods standard came to position. So all, that's the birth of Forex. All other currencies are now pegged to the USD, which is pegged to gold. That's why they say, I only want American dollars because it's as good as gold. It's real. That's what they mean. It's real. I don't want Vietnamese dong. I don't want Korean won. I only want American dollars. And that started all the currency packs to the USD. From then on, US became the number one major superpower. From then on. And then, of course, US did a lot of irresponsible things. And the you know, Korean War, Vietnam War, they started printing, right? 1959, someone caught them out. It's a French. I admire him a lot. That guy is called Charles de Gaulle. He did a presidential press release. And he caught US out. He said, you guys are bluffing. You guys are bluffing. There can't be so much USD floating around. You must have been financing the Korean War and the Vietnamese War through lighting up your printing presses. So you know what? I'll do you a favor, right? I'm a member of Amazon Prime, but I don't need you guys to send me back my gold with you. <laughs> I have all these US dollars. I'm going to exchange back all my gold. To facilitate <laughs> that, I'm going to deploy my own military to Fort Knox to facilitate. I'll give you the USD, you give me all the gold. If you really understand this, that was the start of a sovereign bank run. US now being the bank of the world, holding all the gold, printing all the USD, right? And USD can claim back the gold. Suddenly, everyone says, hey, I got all these USD. I'm coming to you and I want to claim back all my gold. So if you don't want to risk a game of reputational default, you have to understand this. For every USD that people surrender back to you, you have to give them gold, right? But what if you print more than what you have? Ah. If you print more than what you have, it's a bank default, right? So in that's, the 1960s, that's, called, that's called leverage. That's called leverage. <laughs> okay, whatever that is. So in the 1960s, the US president and the Federal Reserve and the economists they have a very difficult decision and a very important one to make. And that led to 1971, where President Nixon, a, President Richard A. Nixon said, we are now temporarily suspending the exchange of gold and reserve assets to the USD. From then on, this is the system that we are living on today. The USD is the world reserve currency. We no longer have money. We no longer have money. You can't exchange it for anything. And all the other currencies are now pegged to the USD in terms of Forex, right? You can float, you can have a currency pack, you can have a fixed pack. Now, if it's no longer a claim check on something real, what is it backed by? That's the ultimate question. One, it's backed by the country's GDP, which is productivity. Two, it became a debt instrument, which is backed by taxpayers. Country borrow first. I spend it in terms of the stimulus programs, one trillion. I borrow from central bank. I spend it. Fiscal policy. Bring the economy back. Right? Now, it's not free. Who's going to pay it back? 
the taxpayers. So if you think about it in that way, every single currency that we are working with today, they are debt instrument. We being the taxpayers, we are paying the debt of our parents and ourselves. That to me is a real understanding of what money is. If you really understand that, you will understand why people hold silver, people hold gold. Yeah. I, don't, I don't hold too much of the, the paper stuff, right? So, so that is uh, my answer in terms of historically, what is money? And I, I'm doing this piece because of our cross-Atlantic audience, and I think it's very important because if you're young and you're coming out into the workplace, have a North Star. Understand how things are, then you know what games people are playing with you. That's my very long response. Always a good one. Hey, Aldrich. So I think this would answer kind of Divya Dust's questions. Um, I think why does it lose value? So while you're at it, so I think you can answer that one. Well, if if our governments keep borrowing and they keep spending our future money, borrowings are future money. Future. If I borrow my future money into existence. I borrow my future money into existence and I spend it into the current circulation pool, it will take away some part of the purchasing power of existing currency supply. And that makes sense because goods, products, commodities, they are finite. Yep. Paper, paper can be infinite. That's the reason. So if you match infinite with the finite, you should know where this is going, right? So when we're talking about inflation, it's, it's not about like cost of goods are going up. That's one way of saying things because we are looking at price. But the reverse is true. The reverse is true. It just means that your cash and your coins just lost some bit of value. So both ways works. That's, that's how I would reply to Devaya's question. That's good. Brilliant. Well, while we're talking about Devaya's questions, I think um, he has another one. Um, how can you make money work for you? Who wants to answer that one? Let's, let's, hear from, let's hear from the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Tim. You, you, you're not, you're not going to get anything from me because my relationship with money is... Uh, experience and knowledge with money scales proportionately with the little amount of money that I have. So not not very good for me. Don't don't hear from me, Tim. Uh, well, listen. So this is something that I've gotten into pretty heavy recently. I mean, stocks are an incredible way if you know how to do it right to make your money work for you. Um, you know, I have a retirement account, and I'm 37 currently. And the way I've been investing, you know, I can have a million way before I'm 60. So, but I paid very close attention to the stock market. When the crash was happening, I pulled every dollar I had out of the stock market because nothing was safe. And so while a lot of people have 401ks and things that are tied to the stock market, my money was parked on the sidelines safe as everything was crashing. So I think it's important to understand the stock market itself. It, it's a daily thing, and it doesn't take a lot to manage it. 
But if you pay attention to it and do it the right way, that's how your money can work for you. That's how you take $1,000 and turn it to $2,000 and take that $2,000 and turn it to $4,000. And you don't have to do any physical work to do that. You can literally stay on the sidelines, continue working, continue building equity, putting money into your checking account and savings accounts, but at the same time be earning as you're earning while you're working. And you don't have to do any physical work. You just have to pick the right investments. And that's how your money can work for you. So there's many more ways, but that's one of the ways that your money can work for you. Yep. I 100% agree. It really depends on where you invest it, right? And how you can nurture and grow. And um, a big part of, you know, uh, building wealth is knowing how to leverage your money and uh, where you put it. You know, and I think um, a lot of people work really hard, um, but just because you're hustling really, really hard doesn't mean money's working for you. And mm -hmm. I think that's a misconception society has put in your mind. Um, it's not just work, right? I saw my parents work their whole life, right? And they left me <laughs> nothing. <Yes. laughs> and they were entrepreneurs. They worked really hard, but really they... I just watched them work, pay bills, work, pay bills, put our kids through college, pay bills, you know, and that was their life, right? Because they didn't know how to leverage the dollar, uh, leverage the money to um, create more, right? So I think that's a um, good way to um, lead to the next one, right? Um, is is uh, Correct me, Eldrick, is Anchor Doobie? Yeah. Right. He had the question, how should we understand money? And I think um, some of the previous comments kind of um, answered that question. And um, and then he asked a pretty profound question. Right. Does if money leads to happiness? <laughs> so, I think that's a great, great question for us all to answer. So I'll start with um, Jeremy. Um, does money lead to happiness? I think, I think, um, I, I always say that, I always say that, um, happiness is a skill. It's a, it's a frame of mind. I think, uh, with everything that happened, you can see it negatively or positively. So if you switch your mind and reframe it and look at things positively, you can at least not be sad, you know, if not be happy. Um, does money lead to happiness? I, uh, I think the simple answer is it depends. Um, I think for a lot of people, the the idea of uh, having a lot of money, the idea, the fantasy, the imagination of having a lot of money leads to happiness. That's why people buy lotteries and you know Powerball, whatever you want to call it. Over here is forty and total because you know when you have a draw that's upcoming, that's gonna you know the draw is ten million dollars. Uh, if you win the entire pot, you buy the ticket and you start imagining right well what am i going to do with that 10 million dollars right i'm going to save it i'm going to get a big house let me get a ferrari whatever so that's the entertainment value of paying for the ticket and most often uh you don't win that 10 million dollars but but you, you get that happiness while imagining that you could win that 10 million dollars okay so so uh i i don't think i don't i don't think um uh, i don't think having money leads to happiness um uh, but not having it probably you will not be happy. Uh, okay, let me let me try and frame that. Um, 
we have heard of stories of people who have won uh, all these lotteries. And what happened? They end up poor. They end up broke. They end up in a far worse state than, than before they won the lottery. Right? Because uh, they start either spending it uh, carelessly or people, uh, friends who have, who have not been in contact with them, come to them and knock their doors to borrow money. All that sort of things, right? Uh, so it might not be a good thing that if $10 million just land on your lap because suddenly you, you never had that so much money before, you haven't handled so much money before, and most likely you're going to manage it very poorly, okay? You're going to manage it very poorly. So so in that sense, um, money might not lead to, to happiness. But not having it, well, will you be happier if you don't have it? Well, that depends on what, what brings you happiness, right? If money leads to happiness, then everyone will be drug dealers and gun, uh, gun traders, right? Because that brings us the most money, right? But is that going to bring you happiness? You know, if you're going to be rich, if somebody told you, hey, sell this drug, you're going to be rich, right? Will you do it? Will that make you happy? I think that's the way, at least that's the way I see it. Um, it, it depends on what brings you happiness. And if money gives you that option to indulge in that thing that makes you happy, then yes, money does bring happiness. Um, uh, then it becomes a question of having too much of it or having too little of it. Will it make you more happy or less happy? Uh, so it all depends. It all depends on your definition of happiness. What makes you happy and does money give you more of it? And having more of it, does it make you even happier or not? Uh, I hope I'm making sense there. I get it. That's good. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. That's that's my take. Not you. What's Tim. Going Tim. All right. So, does money buy happiness? I'll tell you this. If I had a lot of money, I'd be happy as shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> it probably actually would for me. I'm not going to lie to anybody in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, in New York, about... it's not surprising. Yeah, in New York, <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> but, but the reality is, look, it's it's all a matter of the amount of time that you have to invest to make the money for me, right? If you have to work 24-7 and you're unhappy with what you do, but you're filthy rich, but... No, because, you, because you don't have time to spend the money if you work 24 hours. Yeah, but if you're unhappy and you're wealthy, but you're unhappy, then it's pointless, right? Why do it? If you can be, if you can work half the time and be happy and be okay, be a, you know, just middle class, fine, do that. You know what I mean? But it really just depends on how quickly you can arrive at it, what your quality of life is while you're making the money you're making. And going back to the last point, I mean, what are you doing to make your money work for you? Because you can make good money without having to work 24-7 and being totally invested in something or anything. And to be honest with you, you know, if you're doing something, there's some entrepreneurs that make a lot less than somebody who works for someone else, right? So if you're hustling 24-7 to be an entrepreneur and you're making less than you're working for somebody else, are you happy? If the answer is yes, cool. If the answer is no, then do something else. Do something that's going to make you happy and be productive and not focus so much on the money and focus more on your mental health. So, you know, the answer is from me, you know, 
would money make some people happy? Absolutely. And for a lot of people who have been middle class their entire life, would it make them extremely happy? As long as they don't spend it stupid, sure, they could be very happy. But you could also make a ton of money and spend it and be in massive debt and go bankrupt. And yeah, are you happy? Probably not, because now you have the stress of being bankrupt and broke. So that's my take on it. I think it's all a matter of time in relation to the amount of money that you're making and you know what your mental health is in relation to that money. That's the way I feel about it. Right. Uh, for me, for me, I think I think happiness, um, fundamentally, happiness cannot be expressed in money terms. It has to be expressed in terms of time. Mm-hmm. Time, right? Because if you think about it this way, true wealth, true wealth is an aggregation of our freedom to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do, and the amount of time that we are going to commit on. That's true wealth. Money is an expression of that. It's just an expression. So if you think about that in that way, when you are really wealthy, you have options. You can do whatever you want. That's true wealth, right? That's true wealth. Money is an avenue. Now, if you think about it in that way, right, then, then the point is this. How do you get there so that you can finally put a deep, deep flag in the ground and say that I'm fucking free. I don't have to worry about IRAs. You know, I, I don't have to worry about my job. I can fire my boss. I can do whatever I want, right? Mm-hmm. Now, money is an expression and it's a vehicle. So in order for you to get there, you need to understand that if it's a vehicle, it's an instrument, there are things that will work to your favor, right? Just look, just look at all the alternatives that we have in society today. If you are on a fixed employment, right, chances are your pay increment is going to be about 2% a year, but inflation is about 2% a year, right? It's flat. If you're in sales, you're not having a fixed income, you're having commission, you should be asking, what's your commission rate? Is it 8%? Is it 9%? And inflation is 2%. Then that's good. Work on your sales skill. Go close, right? And then we look at the investment world, uh, equity market, 4%. US is about 2%, right? So let's say 2%. Right, but it's quarterly distributions. REITs is monthly distribution. So if you think about it in that way, and we run our own business too, if we do our sums, what's our return on equity? Is it 15%? Is it 20%? Now, you have all these things that's available to you to analyze. Take your pick. Now, obviously, the higher the returns in terms of time and percentage, the faster you're going to get there in terms of achieving true wealth. It's a choice to me, right? So happiness is the ability to do what I want to do, when, when I want to do, and whatever things that I want to do as and when I like. Time, not money, time. Mm-hmm. That's how I think about it. Money is an expression. Hmm. I think I agree with Aldrich there because um, I think time is our most valuable commodity we have on this planet. Because you can't buy time, right? So, but in regards to happiness, um, I do agree with Kelsey. Um, She said happiness is subjective. And I definitely agree with Todd. Um, He said you need enough money to feel secure so you don't have to worry so much about tomorrow. 
And um, I definitely agree with that. Um, money does give um, people peace of mind. And I think when money go wrong is when people start being greedy, right? Um, there is a point in your life where, you know, you can be feel peaceful and you can feel secure and you don't need more, right? Is when we start, you know, getting greedy, um, that's when you see people crossing that line. So I think there is that balance of, hey, uh, money, um, does it give happiness? The answer is probably no, because um, happiness is defined subjectively. Uh, and it's based on perspective, right? Um, I mean, I earlier um, in 2019, I went to a third world country um, to do some business um, in Cambodia. And I saw extreme wealth. Um, the people I was meeting with was extremely wealthy, right? They own like malls and um, different things like that out there. Um, a real estate. And then I also saw people that were extremely on the poverty line, you know, I'm talking about huts, metal roofs, um, that type of thing. And what I noticed was um, just, uh, uh, Jen went with me, my wife, and we were just walking down this alleyway and I saw how poor these people were. But what sparked my interest was they were happy. They, the children were happy. They were smiling and literally they were playing in a bunch of garbage, you know, they were climbing on it. They were playing just like my kids are playing in my suburbial neighborhood in the U S and I asked Jen, I go, man, I started thinking about it. Happiness is really based on perspective. If those kids never experience anything different, playing on the trash is the funnest thing out there. If they've never been to um, Disney World or never even seen Disney World on the TV, how would they know T uh, Disney World's out there? It's the same concept as right now. If you told me heaven is amazing, Kevin, I have to have faith to believe in that because technically I've never experienced or seen heaven. Mm-hmm. And the best thing I know right now is what I know living in the U.S. This is what heaven looks like. When people have money, when they drive their Mercedes, when they have a Lamborghini, and that's what society shows us. And that's all we know, right? So I do think it's so subjective, happiness, because if we can't see it, we've never seen it, we've never experienced it, um, there's no marketing showing us what it is then we're like um, in our minds, we're blank. So it's like those kids, they're playing in trash. And I'm like, man, those kids are having a lot of fun and they're smiling, laughing. And I would look at Jen, why are, it stinks. <laughs> I was like, it smells so bad. And why are those kids having so much fun? And um, it really opened up my eye. And I was like, oh, if you don't know anything better, that's the best thing you can have. And um, so that's my two cents on um, the whole idea of happiness because um, I've seen people that are very happy and they have nothing, you know. And it really um, started changing my perspective when I got back in the States. I was like, 
man, I'm just so thankful for what what we have, you know. So just yeah, just one just one last just one last uh, uh comment on happiness and money, right? And time, right? So the four of us are doing this an hour every week. We're not paid. Are we happy? Are we? Does it show that we are not happy? We're not paid. And this is time. Time is money. So we lose on two dimensions, right? We don't have money. We don't get paid. We're losing time. Are we happy? I, I can say I am. I am. <laughs> so probably you, you can decipher from that. <laughs> yeah, no, listen. I, I think to be honest with you, I'll say, I'll say two things about this. And this is really, this is a great discussion we're having. The first thing I'm going to say, and I've said this on a previous show, some of my happiest times in my life was when I was dead-ass broke, had no money, and I just was having a blast, just having the time of my life. And, you know, I, I was living literally paycheck to paycheck, you know, like 20-some-odd years old, living paycheck to paycheck, just having the time of my life. <laughs> so, you know... Were you, money, were you playing the trash? <laughs> no, 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 no. Money and happiness, right? It, they don't necessarily equate. That's one thing. But the other thing is, like, you think about this, right? When we were all kids, there was no cell phones, right? There was no, I mean, video games were just barely out. A lot of the stuff that kids have access to now didn't exist. So just like Kevin said, we had to make it work with Ninja Turtle dolls and shit like that. But we had a blast. <laughs> Right? We had a blast. I remember being a kid and having a fun-ass time with some dolls that you would press their head and their arm would move. And that was, <laughs> that was the shit at the time. That was, that was it. Like, you were cool if you had the doll where you pressed his head and his arm would move. So, you know, really, it's just a matter of what drives your happiness. And money may not have anything to do with it. Now, I'll tell you this, right? In, in America, like you said, Kevin, a lot of, a lot of people put the flash on the screen. Oh, he's driving a Lamborghini. Oh, he's got this yard that stretches for miles. You can't even see the end of his yard, right? I'll be honest with you, listen, that none of that shit would make me that happy, right? I could care less. I could care less about driving a Lamborghini. I'd probably crash the damn thing. So, <laughs> so, so I could care less about driving a Lamborghini, having you know a house that stretches for miles. Aldrich said it. I said it in my post, just give me the freedom that nobody's breathing down my neck at all. That's all I care about money, right? As long as I don't have to answer to anybody, that's all I care about. I could live in an apartment and I could drive a freaking Hyundai Accent, right? And I'm straight. Just don't, I don't want to have to answer to anybody. As long as, as long as I don't have to answer to anybody, you guys don't need to see me out and flashy and, and showing you, look at all this great shit I have. The shit means absolutely nothing. The material things mean absolutely nothing. Just give me the freedom. So I don't have to answer to anybody. And I'm good. You won't hear from me. I'll be, I'll crawl in my little hut and I'll do, I'll do bottoms up for <laughs> and, 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 and drive to Minnesota when, when you have the time and just say hi. I'm all that. I get that. Yeah, yeah, not not Minnesota, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> not right now. But I think um I mean this is great topics, man. Um just talk about relationship to money, right? And I think it's true. And I think the way we see money too is based on our upbringing. 
Um, and I want to um, lead into our last topic, right, before we end the night and um, wait for next week for part two um, as we discuss cash flow and more about, hey, how can you put money to use? Um, how can you leverage it? How can you build wealth? Um, different things like that. And, um, well, a lot of people have a misconception about money. And um, a lot of people grow up feeling guilty about money. So I want to discuss um, example. There's a saying, right? A quote, uh, money is the root of all evil. Okay. So what are your thoughts on that? Because a lot of people, I mean, I've met people that uh, really talk negative about people who love money or people who are, you know, working really hard to build success. Right. And a lot of people have this negative mindset about, Oh man, I feel guilty right now because I bought this big house, you know, and let's talk a little about that real quick. I'll go first. And it, since, uh, yeah, specifically, I, I, yeah, money is the root of all evil. Uh, no, money is a tool. The evil or not evil it depends on the person using it, spending it. So, you know, you know, I, I probably read somewhere and you guys probably agree, right? Uh, if you have money, it amplifies who you are. So if you're evil and you have lots of money, you're going to be really, really evil. But if you're good and you have lots of money, you do lots of good because you'll be donating and all that, right? So, so I, I, don't, I don't agree that money is the root of all evil because um, money cannot create evilness. It's the people who use it that makes it evil or good. It's just a tool. Um, yeah, that's just my philosophical take. Yep. There's really poor people that are evil too. <laughs> so, True. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. People <laughs> who murder other people for money, right? Just because they're poor. So is it really money that caused it? No. The money doesn't take the knife and stab someone. It doesn't. It sits there, right? So yeah, it's the people that are evil, not money. Can I go next, Tim? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, I agree with Jeremy 100%. I mean, listen, I, I said it before, I could be a billionaire and if I was a billionaire, nobody would ever see or hear from me. So what evil am I causing? You know what I mean? What, what am I possibly doing to hurt the world? So, you know, I mean, I don't believe in that saying at all. You know, to be honest with you, if I, if I had an excessive means, I would make many charitable donations that nobody would ever know about. And like I said, I would crawl in my little hole quietly and be done. And nobody would see or hear from me. And I'd travel the world, and I'd go visit you boys in Singapore. Uh, and, yeah. and, and give us some money. Just, yeah, I would just <laughs> enjoy life. Like I would, I would completely enjoy life. So no, Jeremy, would, he 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 ignored you on giving you some money. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, I, would, I listen. I would have no problem because again, I don't live beyond my means. I promise you, if I was a billionaire, my house would be no bigger than my next door neighbor's. You know what I mean? And I would have no problem living in a regular-ass neighborhood. Nobody would know I was a freaking billionaire, I promise you guys. The only way you'd find out is on Google or some shit. And I would try <laughs> to hide that. <laughs> but outside of that, like, yeah, no, nobody would know. It. I'd, have no, I'd have no problem giving other people money because I don't spend it like that. You know what I mean? I've made plenty in a year, and I've held it, and I just don't spend it. So I, it, just going back to the original point, no, I don't even think for a second money is the rule of all people. That's my personal. 
That's good. So, uh, so my take, I've heard about that expression many times. I, I don't really resonate with that. That's, that's the first point. And the second thing is, uh, I'm always skeptical when people say things like that, particularly about money. I'm always skeptical because with money usually comes with intent and I just want to figure out what sort of ideas people want to put across. So this expression that money is the root of all evil, but my takeaway is this, as I mentioned at the very beginning of our show, we aren't taught a lot about money. We are taught a lot about evil. So Mm. looking back at that expression, are they trying to teach me again what evil is with regards to the use of money? Or are they really telling me something about money? I think it's nothing to do with the money. It's something to do with evil deeds and evil doings, right? So if you can think about it in that way and circumvent that, then I don't think it's an issue, right? Um, I think some expressions, they are distilled and condensed to a point where I think some part of the meaning just got uh, eroded. So I, I don't have much feeling when I hear that. Uh, I'll just be thinking what kind of uh, values is that person espousing? Just putting out there to say evil is this. He's, they're not saying what money is. They are saying what evil is, right? So that's how I think about it. Uh, Tim mentioned the point on living, um, living within your means, right? Um, and that's very interesting because if we run our own show, when we run our own show, we want to live beyond our means through productive ways, right? Now, if you think about it, how do we scale a business? We have to go beyond our means, isn't it? And we have to be productive. And that means while we don't squander every dollar of our revenue and cash flow, we think about how to deploy productively. So it's about living beyond, way beyond our means in a productive fashion and not squandering it. That's how I think about it. So, so in that context, I don't believe in living within my means. I believe in pushing uh, for the higher standard. So that's what I think. But of course, day to day, I'm uh, day to day. I don't think too much. I don't spend money too much money on like good food, good drinks, or, or things like that. Uh, it, it it's just I, I don't think about it. I don't. But I think very hard about how to deploy every single dollar of my revenue and my cash flow. How? So 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 that's that's the kind of thing that I think about. I think when we talk about, you know, the money is the root of all evil or people talking, being negative or they feel guilty about money, I think a lot has to do with the way we're brought up, um, our perspective on money, right? Um, Because lots of times, you know, even our parents, they might have not had it. So um, it's the means of protecting themselves or um, feeling, uh, why do people feel guilt you know, about buying a bigger house. If you earned it, you shouldn't feel guilty. But I think as society, uh, you know, think about it. It's like the 1%, right, that are wealthy, you know, truly wealthy, right? Uh, So think about it. Majority of us folks are not in the 1%. Therefore, human nature, we love making excuses. 
And a lot of people, I think, is a protective mechanism to go, ooh, I feel guilty buying a nicer car. Ooh, I feel guilty about buying a bigger house. But I think that's the wrong mindset, right? So if you read Rich Dad, um, Poor Dad, um, he talks about it a lot, right? Um, it's the wrong mindset of uh, why should you feel guilty? If you work for it, you earn it. Guess what? If you're on this show right now, you deserve it. I'm not going to judge you for it. Go buy whatever you want. You know, you deserve every right to have it. You know, and I think that's so important. You know, um, I've met a lot of people that feel guilty about having stuff, you know, and who, who, who are people to judge you, you know, on what you have, you know, they don't know your story. And if you're flashy, you know, I, I mean, that's your own way of showing it. It's not something this group would do, but Hey, go flash away. You know, if you can do it, you know. Um, so I think that's my thought on the whole idea. But um, money, um, like Jeremy said, uh, money just sits there. You know, it's not causing evil. Uh, it's the person that, how they use it. Um, I think greed starts coming in play uh, when it comes to money. And that's when evil starts happening, right? It's just the mindset of the person who holds it. <laughs> I, uh, I think I, I do want to say one. I do want to say one thing real quick about right. money because I do judge people sometimes who are flashy, and here's why. So, if you're flashy and you really actually are not financially secure, that's wasteful. That's my feeling, right? So I do judge people. I'm, I'm. Listen, I'm the first person to say, you know, don't judge, don't judge, but I am judgmental about that because the reality is, look, there's people who are who are flashy and not paying their bills, right? And yep. can't afford to do things. And they're buying luxury cars. And the point of a luxury car, I mean, the definition is in the title. It is a luxury <laughs> to have a car that expensive. Therefore, you should be, it should be a luxury, not like a necessity, not something that you want or need. It should be, okay, I'm a billionaire or, you know, a multimillionaire, so I'm going to buy a $70,000 car. Okay, it's a luxury. You got it. Cool. If you're the person that is trying to drive a $70,000 car on a $70,000 annual salary, it's wasteful. <laughs> the, the car is the car is a It's not luxury. You're actually really stressed. <laughs> right. And, and, the, and, the car, and the car is a depreciating asset. So you drive it off the lot and it's a $40,000 car. So you just blew $30,000 like that. It's wasteful. So I do judge people on shit like that. I can't lie about that. And I'm, I'm perfectly blunt with everybody. I mean, I think everybody knows how I am at this point. But I, I'm very, I, I will say that about, like, like I said, like luxury cars and things like that. Like, don't be wasteful about it. You know, take care of your children. Take care of your debts. Make sure, you have, make sure you're looking towards retirement. Who the hell cares? If you're the only person on your block that's not driving a luxury car, big deal. Who cares, right? I'd, I'll be the first person on the block to drive a Subaru while everybody else has a Mercedes. And if I got money in my bank account and you don't, who the hell are you to judge me? That's just how it is. That's how I feel about it. It's, it's very point. interesting that you, you you have been a New Yorker forever, right? 
<laughs> well, New Jersey, Philly, yeah. Ah, okay. Well, <laughs> well. It's, it's very interesting coming from you. East Coast. I, I think just, I'm not the norm, just so you know. I, I'm yeah. actually probably the anti. I'm more of the, the I'm more of the, the minority on this one. But I'm being honest, and I see it all the time. And I've told people, being in the car industry, like, you shouldn't be buying this car. I'm sorry, you can't afford this car, straight up. I've told people that. Like, dude, this is an expensive car, and you don't make that much money. <laughs> like, and what happens when this car breaks down? And it's a $3,000 bill. Do you have it? No. Then don't buy the damn car. Buy something within your means. Yeah, that's that's exactly the point, right? Like I said, don't don't live beyond your means, and 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 I I, I do think that I'm definitely the anti, you know, not the norm Singaporeans. I mean, there are many times you read in the papers, you know, we got this electronic uh a toll thing, right? And and you get people who drive Mercedes and sports car who 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 stop because the toll, you know, it starts at I don't know seven or six thirty a.m. I don't know, I, I don't drive so. When the toll starts, they, they pause and they stop, they park the car at the side because suddenly they realize they have to pay the toll and they are not, they don't want to do that, though they are driving Mercedes, you know, such irony. And and these these are the people who 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 drive Mercedes and whatever luxury cars you have and they stinge on on petrol and everything else. So are you really living within your means? I don't know. Um, I don't want to judge, but I am. Uh, but I I do know what I can control myself is I don't own a car, I can't afford it. But am I happy? Probably. I, I may not be happy with my one-hour commute, but everyone's working from home now, so I, I got nothing to complain about. Um, but still, uh, I don't like to drive, so even if I have a car, whatever car that is, I might not be happy driving because I feel that driving is so stressful, and I'm a bad driver. I can't read maps, so driving doesn't work out for me. So it doesn't make sense for me to get a car. Uh, so but everyone else is. So does that mean make me sad? Well, probably not. That's fine. Everyone to their own. And, and and we see a lot of uh, young Singaporeans, right, aspire to live in condominiums they probably can't afford. I don't know. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the government housing HDB, you know? I'm a four-room four HDB flat. I can't even afford it, I think. You know, taking out a 30-year loan, you know, paying paying my mortgage. Uh, but I'm fine. I'm not living in a, in a condominium. That's fine. But I have people asking me, you know, because I'm of a certain managerial level and, and, and I had a colleague. Uh, very nice guy, but he was trying to strike a conversation with me. But but he asked me, so what property are you living in? I was like, what, what makes you think I'm living in a property or or a condominium? I don't. I live in a government HDB, you know, Housing Development Board of Singapore. is a public housing. So, you know, I was a little bit, um, I won't say, uh, I felt that he was, I would, maybe he was judging and I was a bit uh, put off because why are you assuming that I live in a condominium just because I'm, you know, whatever senior manager title, no, I, I don't, and and probably in Singapore, most uh most most young families are a uh, uh, dual income, you no. Know? But for me, my family by choice, single income. My wife's at home mom. Uh, we we decided on that, you know, so we can, you know, have more time for the kids, and it's by choice, you know. Maybe if she was a high flyer at work, we could be staying in a property. I don't know, but we didn't choose that because uh you know, but but we're happy this way, you know. We have to watch our budget. We can't overspend. Sometimes I, I piss off by asking, hey, how much, why are you spending so much on food, electricity, whatever, whatever, you know, but I think, I think we manage, we're not spending beyond our means, and I think that was, makes me happy, so sure, why not? And uh, just my last point about uh, money is the root of all evil, uh, Kevin, can we put like a donate button here, you know, for all those who feel that they have too much money, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can take away your evil, you know, just, just give it to me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm okay. I'll absorb that evil. That's fine. <laughs> That's my last bit. I, I'll absorb some of your evil. <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. Bring on the life. evil. Yeah. Bring on the I evil. Have plenty of good in me. Well, it'll yeah. to neutralize that evil. Yeah. I just don't have enough money. Bring it on. <laughs> I think I think what uh, Jeremy mentioned is not just a very Singapore thing; it's um, around the world thing. That's because uh, we we tend not to see behind what we can see, right? So if you're thinking about um, a high-end property, or in Tim's uh, example, which is like luxury cars, I'm sure Kevin can relate, right? Sometimes somehow you have done car sales before. It's not about the high-end property or the luxury car. The real thing behind that are the loans. The real thing behind that are the loans. Mm -hmm. So don't think about the house first. Look at your mortgage first. If mm -hmm. that still looks palatable to you, go ahead. right? And then you enjoy a house and whatsoever, right? Um, but don't just go for the shiny stuff. I think that's... Uh, I don't know if we are misguided or we just can't see beyond what we can, but there's always something behind that. So I think I think just, just to all viewers and even for our conversation here, just when it comes to money, when it comes to whatever that we are thinking about, go beyond what you can see. Just look at it. Why are they selling you this? Why are banks financing your property? Why aren't they financing your business? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot, very logical question, isn't it? Because they know what's profitable. They're in the business of being a capitalist, right? They're capitalists. <laughs> they move money. They don't produce anything. They move, right? So I was like, ah, oh, this one is the, uh, this is the lucrative one. I'm going there, right? So think about it this way. If you are a startup, right? And probably your revenue isn't that stable and whatsoever, try get a bank loan. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. But if you want to get a mortgage for your property, you are going to get it. So go beyond go beyond those shiny objects that you're seeing. See what's behind that. I think that's far more useful. That's how I think about it. And there's the same reason I don't believe in high-end properties and luxury cars or cars. I don't. I don't because all I have to do is to download an annual report of any bank and I read it and I see that's their top asset. There's no way I'm going to contribute to that. Sorry, not me. It'll find someone else. So, so that's, that's how I think about it. I, I don't need that. It, it's also, especially in America, and Kevin, you know this, you know, you're force fed the idea of being rich and, you know, seeing the big person and wanting to be that person. You're force-fed that idea. You're force-fed it through social media. You're force-fed it through music. Yeah, you're force-fed it through music. I mean, everybody, they're like, they want to be like so-and-so who drives a, a, a Maybach or, you know, a Lamborghini, right? So it's like, oh, let me chase, let me chase that. That's the dream. No, I mean, it's really shouldn't be your, I mean, I, let me, let me not say that. It's your life, you do what the hell you want. Right? It's, not, it's not my dream. Let's put it that way. It ain't my dream. My dream is like we talked about freedom. And, you know, there's plenty of people who are driving those nice cars, and but they're financially free. So cool. You do whatever you want with it. Not, not for me, but you do what you want with it. But if you're not, if you're not 
in that financial position, then why chase that dream? Why not worry about having the time? And to Jeremy's point, you know, living a, living a quality of life that makes you happy, making choices that make you and your family happy. Forget chasing everybody else's dream. Forget trying to be the next so-and-so. Who cares? As long as you're comfortable with your life and your financial situation, what does it matter what it looks like to people? You know what I mean? And I know some people listen. Sometimes men do it because they want to be flashy and show women, oh, look, look what I have. And really, they drive, it's the same shit. They drive the expensive car and they're broke as hell, right? But it looks good. <laughs> so, cool. But, again, just, you got to, I think people just have to be a little bit more secure in their position in life and stop worrying about the flash and chasing the, the American dream or whatever dream. That's how I think. So, yeah, I sorry, sorry. Sorry to intrude, but a thought just came to my head. So, I guess everyone is familiar, since we're talking about fast cars and all that, right? Everyone is uh, familiar with the uh, franchise called Fast and the Furious, right? In its mm. seventh or eighth episode, right? So if the four of us were ever to star in a Hollywood movie, the title will probably be Slow and Free, not Fast and Furious. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, brother. I'd be totally cool with that. Put me on the cover. <laughs> we'll shoot that one day. We'll sell this to Hollywood, right? Yeah. But I think it's so true when it comes to all this, right? It's all in the eye of the beholder, right? It's all based on perspective. And that's why our, our group, our live show is called Bottoms of Perspective. It depends on your perspective. But at the end of the day, you know, money gets us from point A to point B. Same with cars and same with everything, right? And you define your own happiness, and um, at the end of the day, you know, there's just so much noise out there. And um, that's why there's marketers, right? Uh, we, we have to market these experiences for you, you know, mm -hmm. so you go buy something, right? And um, at the end of the day, money is what helps us survive. Uh, we all need it. And um, I love what Eldrick said. Um, you really have to understand how money works and what your relationship is with that money, right? And how to leverage it. And um, like Tim said, don't live beyond your means. Um, and and some people are like Jeremy, you know, there's beauty and simplicity. And I think at the end of the day, you know, you define your own happiness. Uh, we're here to just share our perspective. And um, for part two, um, I hope, the audience, um, even people that watch this later on on YouTube um, or even on LinkedIn, comment below. Um, in our next episode, we could talk more about money. And we got the money queen, um, Christine Tay, joining us. And um, feel free. Any questions you have, we want this to be an interactive group. So comment below. Um, post any questions you may have. Because um, we love to not just talk. We want you guys to interact too and share your feelings and your thoughts um, because that's what makes this show amazing is um, the people that join us. So, all right. We look forward to having you next week. Later. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thanks.